This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Good morning. Today's reading, New Testament reading, is taken from Matthew 12. And it seems to comprise of three separate things that Jesus is talking about that aren't, aren't linked. But trust me, they are. Jesus said, The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with, his, with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and see something greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place, and it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty and swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and live there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So will it also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Hear the word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning is from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 to 19. Hear, my children, your father's instruction, and do not reject your mother's teaching. For they are a fire garden for your head and pendants for your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us wantonly ambush the innocent. Like shoal, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of costly things, and we shall fill our houses with booty. Throw in your lot amongst us, that we may all have one purse. My child, do not walk in their way. Keep your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they hurry to shed blood. For in the vein is the net baited, while the bird is looking on. Yet they lie in wait to kill themselves and to set an ambush for their own lives. Such is the end for all those who are greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is the word of the Lord. Father, you speak to us through your scriptures. Give us minds eager to hear from you and wills determined to follow. For Jesus' sake. Amen. When you heard that uh, reading uh, just read, uh, did you think, oh, wow, this is really relevant to me and to my life right now? Maybe not. 
Chapter 1 of Proverbs again. If sinners say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us wantonly ambush the innocent, we shall fill our houses with booty. My child, keep your foot from their paths. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such is the end of all who are greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Now, my guess is that most of us sort of let it pass. Who here is tempted to join a gang planning to go out and ambush, bash and rob? You see yourself with a group down at the entrance to Edgecliff Railway Station mugging people as they come out. Not many. Proverbs is largely a father's wisdom to his son, a young man with his adult life stretching out before him. And he pleads with his son to accept that wisdom begins with the fearing of the Lord. And here in chapter 1 is his first practical example, which is crucial for a young man, but also pretty important for the rest of us. This is about companions and greed. Now, the relevance to all of us should then be pretty obvious. He fell in with the wrong crowd is an all-too-common lament of the distraught parent. The best time to learn about choosing our friends, of course, is early in life, but it's never too late because friends can be a powerful influence for bad or for good, a very powerful influence indeed. And we are all very sensitive to the ways and wishes of our close friends. If I am an unbending, one-eyed monarchist and you are a belligerent, intolerant republican, we will soon learn, if our friendship is to flourish, what subject never to mention. To some degree, we all adjust our words and our behaviour to each other's preferences and prejudices. Because if we don't, then bit by bit our friendship will soon fade away into mere acquaintance. Friends always influence each other, even when we're getting on in years and uh, we think that we're all settled in our ways. Friends have an influence. And of course, friends do a lot more than just influence us to avoid discussing certain topics that will cause strife. By their, our friends' interests and uh, words and habits, they influence us to take an interest in their interests. It's what being a friend is about. And perhaps to even try out some of their expressions. So we start saying something is awesome when we would normally have just said it was interesting. Or maybe we start saying it's unprecedented when instead we would have just said unusual. Or perhaps even swearing if that's our friend's default tactic to avoid having to think of a proper word. Our friends may influence us to join them not only in speaking and thinking, but also in some activities that they enjoy. Because that's what friendships do. We are influenced, not that much by strangers, but most certainly by friends, by companions. And because we want our friends to enjoy us, we're open to being drawn to walk in their ways. Well, this is who we are. Companions have an influence, enormous in our teens, but still there at every other age. 
Proverbs chapter 1 is relevant to all of us, even to the greatest. If you read Michael's morning devotion on Friday, you will know that uh, St Peter journeyed to the northwest of Syria to stay with an exciting new church which had a mixture of Gentiles and Jews. As they were all believers, the Jewish members had ditched the usual Jewish custom of never eating with a Gentile. They all ate together. They were one in Christ. Then some other Christian Jews arrived who still wouldn't dream of eating with a Gentile, even if he was a Christian, and they influenced Peter to return to his old Jewish custom, and he stopped eating with the Gentiles. The church then was no longer one. It had split in actual practice, and Peter had to be corrected, and he was. So if friends can have an enormous influence, even over someone like Peter, Jesus' disciple, the Holy Spirit-filled Peter, how can we ever think that we are immune to peer pressure? Because we aren't. Jesus said, with classic Hebrew exaggeration to make the point, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out and throw it away. If a friend enriches my life but is also causing me to grow more greedy or to engage in gossip or to consider being unfaithful or to become a nuisance at work or to skip church or to grow more self-indulgent or to embrace vitriolic criticism in the anonymity of social media, then it may be time to end that friendship because it is dragging me down. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members, that is, one of your friends, than for your whole body to go into hell. It's time to step back from that friendship. So, if I have a friend whose influence, whether it's deliberate or not, doesn't matter, is drawing me down and away from God, then he must go. I need to step back to get free from that friend's polluting influence. Similarly, if I'm reading some publications or watching some videos or listening to some podcasts which are shrinking my walk with Jesus, then they need immediate surgery. Chop them off, pluck them out, have done with them. King Solomon, the thinker behind the book of Proverbs, is mustard keen that we deliberately avoid companions who would drag us down. Of course, uh, all this influence uh, works both ways, as much to the good as to the bad. Wrong friends can draw us hopelessly away from God, but right friends will stimulate us to search for God's will and will encourage us to go on with pleasing God and enjoying him. Godly friends, quietly, quite clearly, could have a good influence. So, an important question, is it essential or is it just helpful to have friends who influence us towards God? Useful or essential? 
What happens next after we pull back from a friendship that was drawing us away from God? Jesus had another parable. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house. When it finds it empty, swept and put in order, it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And the last state is worse than the first. Just removing wrong influences is a wise start, but it's no more than a start. I need then to introduce good influences because if I don't, there's a very real possibility that I will miss what I've now rejected so much that I'll bring it back. And the last state will be worse than the first. The bad influence will be more powerful than ever. Instead, I need to adopt someone and something just as attractive, but which this time draws my eyes back to Jesus, urges my will to choose God and makes me pleased to be on side with him. Well, sadly, not every believer does this. We often imagine that we can do it on our own, that good spiritual friends are helpful but not essential. If I have a healthy self-confidence, it may be easy for me to assume that if I read my Bible and say my prayers, I won't need to mix with fellow Christians in order to live a good Christian life. I'll have the knowledge and I'll have the drive, but it seldom works. We need each other. An example. The road rules in most countries are very similar. That's why if you have a licence in one country, you are usually allowed to drive in another without an extra test because they all have very similar rules. Yes, but driving in Italy is very different from driving in Germany, even when the rules are identical. For instance, both countries demand that we give way at stop signs. In Italy, a stop sign in practice means pull up, let a couple of cars go past, then start nudging forward, bit by bit by bit, until after half a dozen more cars have gone past, you're far enough into the road then to barge into the traffic, which lets you in with a mamma mia and a few hits of the horn, but you get in and nobody's surprised. And of course, if you don't do that and you sit back and wait, then the cars behind you start honking, get a move on, you've been there long enough. In Germany, however, at a stop sign, you stop and you wait and you wait and you wait until there is a clear break in the traffic because the German drivers will firmly expect to insist on their right of way and nudging in front of them is likely to end up very ugly indeed. Same rules, very different interpretation. Now, reading the Bible is vital, but how is it put into practice is something that we learn in fellowship with our fellow believers. The uh, famous 1930s American philosopher and long-term catcher for the New York Yankees, one Yogi Berra, once said, 
In theory, there is no difference between theory and practice, but in practice there is. Germany and Italy have the same theory, give way at stop signs, but the practice is different in the two different communities. The theory is in the rule book, but the practice is caught from your fellow road users. And in Christian living, the theory is in the Bible, but how to put it into practice is caught from our fellow church members. How our friends practice the theory is what will influence us. The bits they emphasise and how they do them will be the bits that we major in and how we apply the theory to. It is Italy and Germany all over again. Every Christian needs Christian friends to show us the way. Every Christian. This is why the author of the letter to the Hebrews wrote, let us not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, provoking one another to love and good deeds. All friends influence us, so grow your Christian friendships. And this, of course, is the whole reason behind the connect groups that we talk about so often and urge you to belong to. As the old illustration goes, half a dozen logs thrown together in a fire will all burn on steadily till they all are ash. But if you take one out so it's on its own, it will soon stop burning while the other five continue. So too, most Christians... Without fellowship, our fire goes out. We all need fellowship. Now, a big question. The lady said after church this morning, well, Jesus was classed as the friend of publicans and sinners. Aren't we supposed to follow his example? And in fact, Jesus gave us a very clear and serious instruction, be in the world but not of it. So if we cut ourselves off totally from everyone who thinks or speaks or acts in an unchristian way so that we won't be sucked into their thoughts and words and deeds, we might survive, but what use will we be? Jesus wants us in the world, growing strong friendships and winning new followers for him. This could be tricky. The theory is simple enough, but once again, the practice may be difficult. So a few tips for being in the world but not of it. One, step away from friendships that are harmful. Two, have strong Christian influence. Three, as you develop good, warm, non-Christian friendships as a reliable and supporting friend, friendships that are not dragging you down, be absolutely determined from the start to hold firmly to every Christian characteristic. Your walk with Christ will always be more important even than your best friends. And fourthly, perhaps the most important, nourish your inner walk with Jesus so that he grows more special than any friend. When he said, I am with you always, so he's always paying attention. You can never go to talk to him and surprise him because he wasn't paying attention. So talk to him every time you think of him. Just 
share what you're doing. You don't need a holy prayer. Tell him what you think of the television show you're watching. Tell him what's running through your mind as you're driving down the street. Keep your eyes open. But tell him, just share it with him like a friend. And the more you do this, the more your awareness of God's closeness and his concern and his interest will grow deep in your custom. As St Paul wrote, set your minds on things that are above where Christ is, not on things that are here on earth. So more and more, think Jesus' thoughts. The world, through our friends, wants to squeeze us into its own mould. So... End friendships which pull us from Jesus. Build friendships which draw us closer to Jesus. And all your days, particularly, grow your friendship with Jesus. This is part of the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.